I hear that you're reading through the Bible in the year. Is there a way that I can be a part? Yeah, there is. You can go to the App Store and download it. Now you've got Seacoast right on your phone or mobile device. It's the perfect way to join us for a year in the Word. You can even listen to it. Word. Year in the Word. Word. The Word. Word. No, the, you know what, never mind. Word, what's up? Glad to have you guys here. Uh, my name is Josh Surratt. Serve as a lead pastor here. We're glad to be in church with you. If you do um, want to follow along with us in the Year in the Word, just download the Seacoast app, and uh, it's been a fun year so far. I want to welcome all of you who are also joining us at one of our campuses. Uh, if you're watching behind a screen anywhere, we're glad that you guys are with us as well. It was cool. This past week, I was studying uh, up in North Charleston at a coffee shop, and a woman walked in. And she was like, hey, Josh, I know you. I was like, hey, tell me who you are. And she, it was Linda Wright. She attends our Greenville campus. And I was like, man, how cool is it that you know, we run into people all over the state uh, who are here. So we did what any strangers do when they meet. We took a selfie. And so I just wanted to say hey to Linda. Uh, we're glad that you guys are here. Let's welcome the Greenville campus and all of our campuses. Love you guys. Shout out also to North Charleston campus. They had Cinderella Day yesterday, had several hundred uh, girls get fitted for dresses and uh, such a cool ministry that happens up there, but we're glad you guys are all with us. And then we're also planting two new churches this weekend. So uh, C3 Equippers Church in Braintree, Massachusetts. I've never heard of that, but they are getting a new church this weekend. And then the Refuge Church, which is in Wyndham, Maine. And so we all, uh, you may not know, but Northeast, uh, area, the New England area, uh, is desperate for new life-giving churches, and so that's exciting that we're able to plant two brand new churches up there this weekend. So if you know anybody in that area, let them know. So as we get started, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever, ever seen anybody do something that just seemed effortless for them? Like they, 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 they did something that's somewhat difficult, and they do it, and it just looks like, man, it's, it's life-giving, it's effortless, it doesn't take any energy from them, and then you go try to do the same thing and realize it isn't that easy, and it's, it's, it's much more difficult for you. It can be frustrating when that happens. I know for me, the example that comes to mind is, is golf. Um, <laughs> any golfers in the house? Some of you guys play golf? <coughs> well, I've, I've played golf with some of you, um, and, and I, I know some of you. I think about Chris Russo up at the Columbia campus, Roy Jakes, my friend Chris Graff, several of you guys I've played golf with, and, and some of you just make it look easy. We'll go out to the golf course, and you just grab the club, and you're relaxed, you walk up to the tee, you're talking and you know, just enjoying yourself, big smile on your face, let's just enjoy the weather and you just rear back and it's like you hit the ball 300 yards right down the middle and it's just, it's no problem. So I grab the club and I'm like, I'm just gonna do that. Just gonna, maybe I'm overthinking, I'm just, I'm just gonna do that. And I get up and it's just not the same. You know, if you played golf with me, it's not the same. I'm, I'm thinking about every little thing and it's just, it's not natural and when I make contact with the ball, which isn't every time I swing, the, the ball will go right, left, sometimes behind me. I've literally hit the ball behind me. Um, so there's no safe place on the tee box if you, if you ever end up do playing golf with me. It's just, it's frustrating. And it makes me not like Chris Russo and Roy Jakes nearly as much when I see them do it so well. And uh, so what I do is I decided a while ago, you know what, I'm done. I'm not playing golf. Um, I see Justin, I played with you. He knows, some of you know what I'm talking about. It's just not worth, it's not worth the frustration for me to do it. But what about in those areas of our lives that we don't really have an option of just not doing it? You know, I, I think about maybe the, 
the young moms. You watch other women that seem to just transition into mothering so seamlessly, and it's like they just, their house is always clean, the kids are bathed, and they smell decent, and they're well-behaved. It's like, yes, mommy, yes, daddy. And you love your kids, but it just doesn't feel that easy to you. It's like, do they have elves living with them? Like, how do they, how do, they do it all and make it so easy and natural? It can be kind of intimidating or frustrating when you see somebody excelling in an area that you kind of consider to be a challenge for you. I wonder if you've ever thought about that uh, as it applies to our elements of our faith. You know, maybe for some of you, you think about worship. You know, that time during our service where we're singing songs together and you see some people and it just looks like they're just like, it's just them and God. They're having this moment, that glory cloud that we talked about that Moses had, it's like they're having it in their chair. And you're here and you're like, I wanna be involved, but you kind of feel like Ricky Bobby. And you're like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like what's, uh, what, it just doesn't feel natural or normal for you. Maybe sharing your faith. I know Joe and Lori Champion came and did our marriage conference last week and he told the story about on his way to church, literally he's coming to church and his, he had some car issues so this woman was driving him and they got stuck in a traffic jam and on the way to church, he strikes up a conversation. It's just natural for him, normal good conversation, and by the time they pull into the parking lot, he's praying with this woman to receive Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior. And I'm like, how, you know, that's, it doesn't always happen that naturally or normally for me. Some people just have a knack for that. But, but what I wanna talk to us about today is, perhaps for some of you, prayer fits in that category. You say, man, I've seen some people pray, and I know for me, when I first came on our staff at Seacoast, I, I would walk past Pastor Ron Hamilton's office uh, he's over at our West Campus now, and I would watch him in prayer, and it's like, man, something's happening in that room. Like, the heavens are moving uh, in that room. It's just amazing. And people like John Mark, guys that just are incredible when it comes to prayer, and sometimes it, it doesn't feel as natural. I wonder if any of you would, would, would say, if you were just being honest, you, you believe in the power of prayer, you, you, you definitely are all in for that, but you don't maybe pray as much as you would like to or you think you should. Anybody say that you, you're there? Okay, a bunch of us would say that. I wonder why that is. You know, for some of us, it is just that we don't, we don't know how. We don't know what words to say. It doesn't feel comfortable for us. Some of us, if we were honest, and you don't have to raise your hand on this, we might even say that we get bored with prayer sometimes. Yeah, I, I, I love prayer. My wife and I will sometimes pray at night before we go to bed, and occasionally, you know, she's just got this great angelic voice, and as she's whispering her prayer, it'll lead me into a place of deep peace and slumber. <laughs> I'll fall asleep. <coughs> Happens sometimes. Some of you have the ADD problem, right? With prayer, you sit down to pray, and it's like the moment you wanna focus on God, everything else pops into your brain. It's like, Lord God, we need a miracle, and I need some miracle whip. I need a sandwich. <laughs> Do we have bread? I don't know if we have bread. I need to, you know, and it's like all of a sudden you forgot what you were there for in the first place. Or maybe you've been in the group prayer that can get a little awkward at times. You know, sometimes at church, first Wednesday, maybe we'll have you grab the hand of the person next to you. Or maybe you've been in a small group and you grab hands and you get stuck next to the hard squeezer. You know what I'm talking about? The person who thinks like the harder they squeeze, the more likely God might hear them. And you're just like, oh, let me go. This is terrible. But, but some of us struggle with prayer. And so, if, if that's you and maybe you feel a little bit frustrated in your prayer life or feel like, man, I don't know that my prayer life is where I would like it to be, you're in good company because the disciples uh, had a similar challenge. In fact, we're reading through the year in the Bible as we've talked to, year of the word, 
And, and there's this passage in the scripture where the disciples, they'd been walking with Jesus and they'd been doing ministry with Jesus, they observed him, and they noticed that Jesus often would withdraw and pray. And these are men that, that grew up praying, they're Jewish men, so they grew up memorizing parts of scripture, they certainly knew what they were doing when it came to prayer, but eventually they realized he's, something's happening for him that's not happening for me. Uh, and, and so they actually ask him a question. In Luke chapter 11, uh, they say, one day Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. I was thinking about that when I read that. That, that passage we read several weeks ago, but we're gonna study Matthew chapter six, which we read last week, uh, where Jesus really unpacks his answer to that question. But of all the things that they could have asked him, of all the things they asked him to teach him to pray. I'm thinking if I'm there, hey Jesus, remember when you turned water into wine at that wedding? That would be a good skill to have. Can you teach me how to do that? <laughs> or, or, or Jesus, man, when you, when you preach, when you teach, it's like people are just drawn in and you tell stories and man, can we just do some lessons on that? Like could you teach me how to preach like you do? Or when you heal people, it's just amazing. But what they had discovered is Really the key to all of that was that Jesus had something going on in his prayer life that they wanted to take hold of. They wanted to learn from him. So they say, would you teach me how to pray? And here's what's interesting to me. Notice what Jesus doesn't say to them. He, he doesn't say, oh guys, prayer. It's just talking with God, don't worry about it. There's, there's no big deal, just do whatever comes naturally to you. I can't tell you how many times that I've said that. And, and I'm not saying that there's not an element of truth to that, that we can't approach God, we don't have to, but Jesus says, hey, there's actually some things that you probably need to pay attention to. There may be some things that you're doing in your prayer life that aren't actually all that helpful for you. And there may be some things that you don't think are that important, but they're actually kind of a, a big deal. And so here's what I want us to do. I want us to look at Jesus' answer to that. And whether you are offended at the notion that maybe I'm suggesting that you have something to learn, maybe you've been praying a long time, and you've seen God do some powerful things, that's great. Or whether you're brand new and you're, you're maybe not even sure what you think about this whole church thing and this whole God thing. <clears throat> you go, man, I'd love to learn. Some of us, maybe you've had a strong prayer life at times, but it's like this golf club with me. It's, it's just, you kind of put it away. So I, I don't know, <clears throat> I, I love to read my Bible and I love to worship, but prayer's just not, it, it's never been, my thing. I think we've all got some stuff we could learn, and I'm, I'm hoping that each of us will leave here today with confidence that when we approach God, we do it in a way that is gonna help us grow in our intimacy with him, and ultimately is gonna help us grow in our, in our prayer life. And so let's look at what Jesus did. The first thing he did is he showed them some things not to do. He said, there's some pitfalls that you need to be aware of in your prayer life. And the first one is this. Matthew 6, verse five and six, he said, when you pray, by the way, the reason we're switching to Matthew, Luke shows the question, Matthew didn't show the question, Luke was a doctor, they both told the same story, but Luke was a doctor, he's a detail guy, and so he shows us that prior to Jesus answering this, the disciples had said, hey, teach us how to do it. So this is his answer. When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. He says, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So what he's saying is, one of the pitfalls is trying to impress other people with my prayers. Don't, don't do that. 
don't be like that. There's some people that they're praying so that people will see them and think highly of them. And, and oftentimes that was even the leaders uh, in the church of those days. So don't, don't do that. Maybe you've known somebody like that, been in a small group with them. And, and no, when you're just hanging out, shooting the breeze, they're very normal. They speak in a language that you understand. But you get into like a prayer mode or a spiritual mode and they start talking in the King James English. It's like thus and thou and oh, the, the holy God. And it's like, dude, I've never heard you talk like that ever before. And like, it's kind of this thing trying to impress other people. I know for me, especially early on in ministry, when I would get around to other pastors especially, this would be a temptation. Shoot, I'll just be honest with you. A couple weeks ago, uh, I was in a meeting with some pastors and <coughs> we were talking and men that I respect a lot in our city, doing great works. The mayor, Mayor Tecklenburg, was a part of the meeting and we were talking about some different aspects of, of the city and at the end of that meeting, uh, one of the leaders in the room said, Pastor Josh, would you mind praying over that issue for us? It's like, yeah, I'd love to. Let's do that. And I begin to get into this mode of prayer and I'm not gonna lie, like in my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, these guys are spiritual guys. I, I, better, I better sound, I hope they, they think I know what I'm talking about. Like I better step up my game a little bit, you know? I mean, I know God's a big deal, but these guys are a really big deal. These guys are important. It's like this, this thought in the back of your mind that's like, I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna do a good prayer this time, you know? And Jesus is like, don't do that. You know, don't do that. It reminds me of uh, one of my favorite um, spiritual scenes of all time in, in film history, and it's the great Meet the Parents in the year 2000. You guys remember that? Take a look. Jesus is saying, don't do this. I love it. Jesus is like, don't do that, all right? I love that moment where she looks at him like his girlfriend, and she's like, who are you? You know, you never, you never talk like this. And, uh, and, and Jesus said, don't, don't pray to impress other people. You know, that's not what prayer, you're missing the point of prayer if that's the prevailing thought going through your mind. And he says, instead, go into a room, starts getting all like about location. I remember the disciples are like, I didn't mean like where to pray, but Jesus is like, hey, this is kind of a big deal. Go into your room, close the door. What's he saying? Is he saying you can't pray like throughout the day, wherever you are? No, not at all. I think you can pray all day long and pray without ceasing is the way Paul said it. But Jesus said, that's great, but you also need to take some time to to get away, get into a room, close the door, and quiet in secret. Why, why is that? I was thinking, you know, my relationship with my wife, Lisa, we will often text or communicate all throughout the day. Things like, hey, who's picking up kids, and what's going on for dinner tonight, and you need to stop at the store, do we have any money in the bank, are the bills paid? You know, what, all these little things that are important, you know, you gotta communicate about these things throughout the day, but if that was the extent of our communication with each other, that doesn't lead to intimacy. That doesn't lead us to these deeper levels of, of relationship, and, and those are important conversations, but they're not gonna get us there. And Jesus is saying, hey, great, talk to God all throughout the day, but carve out some time. You know, for Lisa and I, we, we do couch time from time to time, like we'll get home and, and the kids will be around playing, and we're like, I don't care where you go, but you need to leave here for now, because mom and I are gonna have couch time. Uh, and that's just a few minutes that we talk and we connect about our day and what's going on, where we're at, and then we'll do date nights, you know, pretty consistently. Like we wanna spend time together, we wanna build that relationship, so we'll carve out some time in our schedule to do that. And that's what Jesus is saying. Hey, if you want to grow in your relationship with God, if you wanna move past just this transactional relationship where it's like, God, I need this, can you do this, can you do this, then carve out some time to, to get alone, to pray with him. But pitfall number one, don't, don't pray to impress other people. And a second thought that he tells us, my, my summary here, trying to manipulate God with our prayers. It's another pitfall that we have, trying to manipulate God with our prayers. Look how he said it. He said, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, 
for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you've even asked him for it. What's he saying there? He's saying, this isn't like a, a formula. This, if you say these words with the right inflection and the right pace enough times over and over that God's gonna answer your prayer. He said, no, 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 don't, you're missing the point. That's not what it's about. Don't treat prayer like, like it's this mechanical, ritualistic deal that you do where you get God to, to do something. God's attention or his favor can't be manipulated by magic words, by certain formulas. Think about that with my own family, my son, Miles, if he needs something from me. What if uh, every time Miles needed something from me, he said, uh, hey, Dad, great and awesome and amazing father that you are. <laughs> your muscles are bulging out of your shirt. You've been working out. You're also slender. It's amazing, Dad. You're, you're all, I mean, I wouldn't mind that. If you could do that some, but, 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 but it's easy to read into that, that it's flattery, right? It's, it's manipulation. You're just trying to get what you want. And Jesus is saying, don't approach God that way. You don't have to... You don't have to say these, these magic words. God is not a genie in a bottle that if you just rub it, he's gonna come out and give you what you need. That's, that's not how our relationship with God is supposed to work. He said, don't, don't pray like that. You don't have to say a whole bunch of stuff to get God to do something. He already knows what you need. I love that. God's not gonna answer your prayer because of the words that you say or the way that you say them. He, he's your father. He knows what you need. Okay, then. Jesus, great. We're not gonna... Impress other people, we're not gonna try to manipulate God with our prayers, that's wonderful. What do we do then, what do we do? Well, let's look. Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. That's really what struck me this week as I was reading. When, when Jesus, the, the Lord of the universe, Savior of the world, says this then is how you should pray, how many think we should probably pay attention to that? Well, the problem is, what he's getting ready to say is something that I've heard so many times and many of you have as well, that it's easy just to skim through it. It's, it's the most famous prayer probably in the Bible, the Lord's Prayer, and many of us could recite that. Our Father who art in heaven, you could kind of do that. And Jesus isn't saying, hey, I want you to repeat these words verbatim, but in it, he gives us a pattern that we can see that'll be helpful for us in our prayer life. So let's look at it. The first thing that we can learn from the Lord's Prayer is number one, declare God's greatness. Declare God's greatness. It says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Sam, when you go to pray, pause long enough to remember who you're talking to. You know, don't, don't rush through that. Take, take enough time to remember who it is that you're talking to. You know, the more, st more time that I spend realizing who I'm talking to, the more perspective I get on the, the issues that I'm facing, on the challenges that I have. It says, hallowed be your name, that's not a word that we use a whole lot these days, hallowed, but hallowed means to treat something as sacred or to make someone primary in your life. What you hollow is the thing that, 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 that you're most concerned about. It's, it's the, the, the central goal of your life. That's what you hollow in your life, which means that what you hollow is often what you pray about the most. You know, often we're going to God with things that are very central, important in our lives, and, and they're, they're hallowed for us. And Jesus says, before we get to those things, let's remember who we're talking to. Make God that person that you hollow. Say, God, I, I just wanna remind myself, remind you that you're, you're of utmost importance to me. Hey, have you ever noticed that when the things that you hollow are threatened, that's usually when you start to pray more? Your prayer life heats up a little bit? And so it's a great time to go, God, 
I'm not gonna rush through this. I wanna just declare your greatness. And it's not to flatter him. Remember, it's not to, to try to get something from him, but it's, it's to get some perspective. So God, you are, you're a great God. God, you're my father. Like really, you, you, you let me call you father? We could do a whole nother message on just that word, our father. That was so radical in that time. That was so informal. We think of it as a real formal, our father who art in heaven. That was Abba, father, it's dad is what that translates to. Saying, come to your dad. Remind yourself who your dad is. Hallowed be your name. God, your name is above all other names. Your name is more important than anything that I, I'm bringing to the table today. And I just wanna remind myself of that before I get too far. Declare God's greatness. The second thing that we can do as we work through this prayer is surrender my will. Surrender my will. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Come to God, we, we declare his greatness and we say, God, I, I've got some, some needs, some wants, some wishes, some things going on, but before I get to those things, I just want you to know that, that I wanna put your will ahead of my own. I want you to know that your agenda for my life, you know, your will be done on earth, in other words, in, in my sphere of influence, in the place that I live, I want your will and your agenda to come before mine. Lord, your, your agenda for my family comes before my agenda for my family. Your agenda for my future comes before my agenda for my future. For some of you, that, I mean, that, that may mean, God, I, I'm coming to you and, and you know my heart's desire is to, to, to be married someday soon, preferably. I'm tired of being a bridesmaid, I'm tired of being in weddings or going to weddings, I'd love to be. But God, I, before we get to that, I just want you to know I, I want what you want for me. And I'm putting your plans for my life ahead of my own. It's the hardest part, isn't it? It's that part where we, we surrender our will. Honestly, that's where life change really happens. That's where God moves from being a box that you check on a form of your religion to being your personal father and savior is when I can get to that point where I go, God, I surrender my will. And Jesus is saying, start by declaring his greatness and once you've reminded yourself of who you're talking to, do the next logical thing, which is gonna be to go, God, you are great. Your plans are great. So why wouldn't I want what you want for my life? Why wouldn't I come under your plan and your direction and your guidance for my life? And honestly, that may take a while sometimes. You say, how long should I take doing that? It may take a while. Think about Jesus' life. He, he didn't just give us these words and just say, this is how I want you to pray. He lived his life this way. He really didn't. There were some moments where it didn't take him very long at all on this part. Like if you think about when he raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11, he didn't spend a whole lot of time wrestling over, God, what is your will? Let your will be done here. Let your will be done. He knew God's will. He knew that God wanted to heal Lazarus. And so what he did is said, God, I'm gonna come, uh, I'm gonna join up with what you're already doing in heaven and I'm gonna be a part of doing that on earth. Hey, Lazarus, get up. And it wasn't, it didn't take a whole lot of time for him. He didn't wrestle with it. But then there were other times in his life, like you think about the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the, the night before he was to be betrayed and was to go to the cross, he spent hours just on that part of the prayer. That's what was happening there, hours. He, he sweat blood. He, he was under so much agony over this moment and he's going, God, if there's any other way to do it, if there's any other way to accomplish this task, can we do it? But, but, but eventually, 
After agonizing with God in prayer for quite some time, he gets to this place where he says what? Not, not my will, but yours, God. Uh, not, not what I want, but what you want. And so for you, sometimes that may take a while. Sometimes that may be, you may need to hang out there for a little bit. Go, have I really gotten to the place where I'm surrendered? God, my, 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 my will surrendered to yours. What are you praying about right now? What's maybe a decision that you're facing or challenge that you're going through? Could be related to a move that you're considering or something in your job or relationship, finances, whatever that is. Could you honestly say that you've surrendered that to God and that you've said, God, I, I fully trust you, that your plan for me in this is, is greater than my own? You know, last weekend, Pastor Greg talked to us about um, the, the, the future of our church, the season that we're in right now where we're praying and believing God to move into a new facility. And uh, we're gonna build a 2,500 seat worship center here. We're gonna turn this worship center into um, a place for the next generation students to, to be able to worship. And, uh, and we've talked to you guys a lot about that. But do you guys remember what, what Greg said? He, he laid out the vision and he pointed out the commitment card. And you guys have these on your chairs. And he said, I want you to take this home and do what? Pray. pray. So I want you to pray about this. So I was thinking about that as I was preparing this message. Don't let this be something that you just kind of go through the motions. And some of you, maybe you're joining us right now at a campus and maybe you're even thinking, what's in this for me? Like, why would I be a part of this? And, and I'd love to talk more to you about that at some point, the fact that we are one church in many campuses and there have been seasons of ministry that we've invested a lot. Those of you in this room have invested in campuses that you've never been to and you've never seen and you've sacrificed for that. And that's, we're all in it together. But I would encourage you to, before you get to those questions, to God, I wanna surrender my will here to you. I just wanna hear from you. Lord, how, how do you want me to be a part of your kingdom coming, your will being done here at this church, at this, at this church family that, that you've plugged me into? And, and I wanna be surrendered to your will over mine. And, and, and before we get to kind of all the questions, and so whether it's praying about that, or, and we'll take these cards back up next weekend and we'll see God do an incredible thing because he always does, but, or whether you're praying about your family or about something significant going on, a challenge that you're dealing with, surrender my will, surrender my will, surrender my will. God, I want your will to be done more than my own. I love the way that Tim Keller kind of puts this in perspective for us. He says, God always gives you what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knows. Isn't that good? God always gives you what you would have asked for if you knew everything that he knows. That's why we start by declaring God's greatness. Going, God, you see some things that I don't see. You know what's coming up around the corner. And so I, I, I'm, I'm telling you that I think I have a good idea of what I want for my life and what I need, but ultimately I'm laying that at the altar and trusting you that you know better than I do. And I'm surrendering my life to you. Some of us are gonna do that today, maybe for the very first time. But once I've declared God's greatness, I've surrendered my will to him. Third thing that we do is acknowledge my dependency. Just acknowledge my dependency. Dependency on what? Jesus takes us through a couple different aspects. For my provision, my provision. He says, give us today our daily bread. Saying, I have needs for today. The Jewish audience that Jesus was talking to would have immediately recognized what he was talking about. And we just read it in the book of Exodus a couple of weeks ago. But you guys remember in the wilderness, every single day, 
that they had instructions. God's gonna give you your bread that morning. Don't save it. Some of you are all worried, you know, hoarders, don't, don't put it in a storage container and put it in the freezer. Get rid of it by the end of the day. Whatever you don't use, get rid of it because tomorrow I'm giving you bread for tomorrow. And that's what he's referencing. He's saying, give me today what I need. And it's this posture of saying, God, you are my provider and I'm gonna walk into some things today and, and, and my needs change. From, so sometimes it's a financial need. God, I need you to come through or my job. Or I know for me and what I do, there are often times where I'll connect with some of you and a circumstance will come up that I'll feel like I don't, I don't have an answer for this. And it's, God, give me, give me today my daily bread. Give me what I'm gonna need to accomplish the bringing of your heaven onto earth, the accomplishment of your will in my life today. Give me what I'm gonna need for that today. Take care of my practical needs. Uh, he, he says, acknowledge your dependency for my provision, also for my forgiveness. My forgiveness. He says, forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. Some versions say, forgive us our trespasses as we've forgiven those who have trespassed against us. And it's saying, God, you know me. Uh, you know the parts that other people know and you know the parts that nobody else knows and, and you know that I've fallen short so many times. And even today, I've, you know, God, I've just, I've messed up. And so God, would you again forgive me? I thank you that, that your forgiveness is available to me. It's not dependent upon me getting it right, but it's dependent upon the fact that you love me and you care for me. I just wanna acknowledge that before I can forgive anybody else, I need your forgiveness. Acknowledge my dependency on him for that. And then also for my protection, my protection says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In other words, as I go now today, God, as I go into to this life and as I, I seek to accomplish your, your purposes, I'm just gonna tell you right now, I, I, I can mess this up. <laughs> I, I can step into some things and I can say some things that aren't gonna be helpful for my marriage or my kids and God, would you protect me from that? And not only myself, but we've got an enemy of our soul. There is one who seeks to kill and steal and destroy everything that God wants to do in our lives. As we think about God's kingdom coming and God's will being done on, on earth as it would be done in heaven perfectly, there's an enemy of our soul that doesn't wanna see that happen. And God, I'm dependent on you to protect me from that. God, to, 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 to keep my path straight. Jesus is so practical. Declare God's greatness. Surrender my will to him and ultimately acknowledge my dependency on him. And, and here's what I'm hoping will happen. As we maybe move into a, a season where we, we try to do this, again, not repeating words, but assuming a posture and, and taking after a pattern that Jesus gave us. Here's my prayer, is that some of us, your prayer life has been purely transactional and we're gonna, move into a new place of intimacy with God. I don't know if he's gonna answer your prayers exactly the way that you would want them to, but I do know that he wants a relationship with you. And that as we set aside time to do this, he may just show up in a way that you didn't see coming. He may change you in a way that you didn't even know needed to happen as we come to him in this posture. My heart, my prayer for our church is that we would become a church that prays. You know, every great move of God that's ever happened, including the one we're a part of today, has been birthed in prayer. And I believe God has a great move in this church and in this city ahead of us. 
I want us to be a people who learn to hear his voice and to be a part of seeing that happen in our lives and the people that we care for. So my challenge for you today is try it, try it. Maybe you gotta take a, a club that feels a little unfamiliar back out of the bag. I haven't really done this in a while and it may not feel natural, it may be a little bit awkward, but just, we've had a lesson, right? We've had a lesson from Jesus, just try it, pray. Set some, some time aside, it's not gonna happen by accident, I can promise you that, we're all busy, we got stuff going on, so you may wanna just decide now, where, when am I gonna carve out some time and, and acknowledge my dependency on him? So, as you do it, do it in your own language, whatever's natural to you. You know, just come before him, God, you're so good. There's nothing or no one that compares to you. And it blows my mind, God, that the, the one who with just one word spoken from his mouth created everything that we see and live in today. And God, you, you would allow me to call you dad. I'm so grateful for that. I just wanna remind myself that, that you can do all things. Nothing is impossible with you. So God, in light of that today, I just want you to know that I'm, I'm surrendered to you. And I, I don't know what you want here and I don't know what you're doing here, but I wanna be a part of that. I want your kingdom to come in my life. God, I want your will to be done. And so I lay myself down again. You know, the Romans calls it living sacrifices, that we're supposed to be living sacrifices. Problem with living sacrifices is we get up off the altar all the time. And so it's going, God, I'm getting back on. I'm saying, God, I'm surrendered to you today. And, and God, I need you, desperate to have you move in my life. I need you in, in my kid's life. I need you to help them walk the path that you have for them. I need you in my marriage. I need you in my, my job. God, I need you, Lord, in every aspect of my life. Protect me from evil. Thank you for your forgiveness. God, would, would, would you show up for me in this way and see what happens, see what happens. Let's pray and then we're gonna give you an opportunity to do that during response time. God, I, I thank you so much, Lord, for all that you're doing in our church and Lord, for the incredible men and women that you've uh, surrounded us with here. And God, I pray, Lord, whether we are seasoned veterans of the faith, God, and, and think of so many people even in this room right now that I've learned so much from, or whether we're brand new, that you would give us a posture of humility when it comes to prayer, that we would learn from your teaching and that we would be a people who come to you, Lord, unashamedly and confidently before your throne to submit all of the requests that we have and all the things that we need in a way that says we're surrendered to you, God. And so I just pray, Lord, that you would do what you wanna do in this place, in Jesus' name, amen.